Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 5, The Kings, the human ones. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can find Episode 1 easily at 15minutesontheway.com. Otherwise, brace yourself for a podcast in God's voice telling His side of your story. As young Samuel's growth is chronicled in his book, a clear contrast develops between the pure sincerity of this boy and the self-indulgent corruption of Eli's two older sons. Samuel is serving with humility, while Hophni and Phinehas are having sex with the women serving at the tabernacle entrance as greeters. Just as bad, Eli's boys are keeping for themselves the portions of sacrifice meant for me, extorting families for the better cuts and corrupting even the nation's worship. The gap between the two scoundrels and young Samuel widens even more when I give Samuel the call. That's taking up 1 Samuel 3. Only Samuel doesn't know it's me. You see, everyone's asleep, and Sam hears someone call his name. Now, no one's heard my voice for quite some time at this point, so it doesn't cross his mind that it could be anyone but old Eli in the next room, whom the boy wakes with his, I'm here, Eli. Are you okay? Why'd you call me? Now, Eli's both old and blind by now, and his blindness is strongly metaphorical as he turns blind eyes to his son's shenanigans. Eli tells Samuel, How could I call you? I was fast asleep until just now. Go back to bed. This fellow, who should have known it was me the first time, took three entire runs through this sequence of getting woke up to figure I might be the one speaking to the boy. Well, the third time's the charm, and this time Eli says, Lie down again, Sam. If you hear that voice called again, say, Speak, Yahweh, I'm here to listen and serve. So Samuel's ready for my fourth call, for, though slow on the uptake, Eli's given him good advice. And when the young fellow answers me directly, I give him an earful, mostly about how I'm not going to put up with Eli's boys blaspheming and making a fool out of me in front of the whole nation much longer. And the family's going to be cut off as a result. It is a quick, if not breezy, chat, you could say, and as you can imagine, after hearing it all, Samuel lays on his bed wide awake until it's time to start his morning chores. When Samuel gets up to open the doors to my house, just like every other morning, Eli hears him and calls Sam in for a report. The boy doesn't want to hurt his master, so he hesitates to speak up. But Eli strongly insists on the whole story, and Sam gives it to him, just like we told you. Yep, that's Yahweh, all right, says the old man afterward. No question about it. He's right, and he'll do right. And from that point on, Samuel has a keen ear for my voice, and is quick to recognize it in the years to come. Now, why on earth is this word of judgment on the house of Eli the first message I give to Samuel? 
Why don't I use something a little more positive to prime the pump of the pipeline of our communication with this final judge of Israel? Well, it's along the lines we've discussed before. We're still laying groundwork with humanity, and the foundation of it all starts with me and my holiness. Remember, I am holy. You're not being holy, uh, not being the people you're designed and created to be, is one of the major issues we are taking care of with the Abra plan, and with the law I gave to Moses, and with the promised land, and with everything else that's to come, including Samuel's mission. So Samuel is a bright kid, and his eyes work. And he's around the tent of meeting and tabernacle literally more than anyone else at this point. He's a daily witness to Hophni and Phinehas running roughshod over my ways, treating my sacrifices and my daughters and thus me with contempt. Sam needs to know that I know what's going on. He needs to know that a time is coming when these scalawags are coming to judgment at my hand. He needs to know that I am calling him to a way of living and serving that is markedly different from what he's seeing in these spiritual leaders, and that they will certainly not live free of consequence from their blasphemy. Things haven't changed, you know. There are those of you out there who officially represent me in a capacity similar to Eli and his sons. You may not call yourself a priest, although some of you do. You have a different title with the same God's representative flavor, though. Preacher, bishop, pastor, elder, minister, deacon, whatever. Watch your step, friend, and be sure that the example you're providing people is decidedly unlike that of Hophni and Phinehas. I did not take kindly to their hypocritical representation of me, and I will not take kindly to yours if you walk a similar path. No matter how long I may seem to be waiting before I allow your consequences to roll, do not regard my patience as approval or license, but as the opportunity for you to snap out of your self-indulgence and walk on the way again. You know very well if I am speaking to you right now. To the rest, please keep your spiritual leaders in your prayers. Every one of them needs all they can get. The scene in which I call Samuel is a good touchstone for everyone to pause and consider for a moment, regardless of your age or station. It's an important moment in Samuel's life when he hears my call for the first time. It's an important moment in everyone's life if they've got the ears to hear it. You see, at some point in each person's life, I call them in one way or another, singularly and personally. Really? Chuckle all you want, pal, but I'm here to tell you I am that serious about every human life, even yours, whether you believe it or not. Every human listening to this right now warrants that kind of special attention, including you. Samuel's habitat was not listening well for my call in those days, and neither is yours. But that didn't keep me from calling him, and it won't keep me from calling you. Some of you have gotten yourselves to a point where you won't hear an audible call anymore, and in fact would question your sanity if you did. But I can totally work with that. Come on, we're talking about me here. 
No matter what form my call is coming in, whether it's a voice out of the blue like Samuel's, or through a friend, a circumstance, good news, bad news, whatever, unless you're looking or asking for a call, you're likely to either miss it or misunderstand it like Samuel did. He knew he'd heard something, but put the credit in the wrong place. And just like it took Eli to clue Samuel in to what was going on, even though the old kook took his own time about it, you may need someone familiar with my voice to confirm what's going on. But they can't answer for you. Only you can. It's still a little early in the plan, but I can promise you that I will certainly issue you a call once we get to the here and now, this is your part, part of the Aber plan. In the meantime, take a lesson from Samuel. If I am the one calling you, I am going to be able to follow through with you when you say, I'm here, Yahweh, here to listen and serve. What's up? Give that a try the next time you hear from me. Back to the growing boy, Samuel. From this point in his life on, Samuel receives my word, and he gets it, too. The way Tom puts it is this. Sam doesn't let any of my words fall to the ground. He's careful with each one of them. Those I've spoken before into law, those I am speaking to him fresh at Shiloh. This, of course, is in stark contrast to the utter carelessness of the scoundrel brothers. Now, even though you're anxious to get to the new king, just like Israel was, I've got to visit a telling episode that falls next for Samuel in 1 Samuel 4. You see, those Philistines whom Samson antagonized and vice versa are still a force to be reckoned with, and they decide to pick a fight with Israel and gather their forces at the border. Israel responds immediately with its own forces. So, what's the big deal? Sound natural? Exactly! Nobody consults me. Nobody asks Samuel to consult me. They just run into battle without so much as a please help us win. So they don't. In fact, 4,000 of my sons die that day in the battle. When they retreat and lick their wounds, the leaders of Israel wonder how they could have lost. Again, they don't ask me. They just blame me and decide to give it another go, only this time they say, Let's take the Ark of Yahweh with us, then we're sure to win. They assume that my presence will make it a done deal. An idea so popular, you already know which movie quotes it with, An army with the Ark at its head is invincible, as we are about to see, not always. And I'll admit, it's a real confidence booster to the Israelite troops when the Ark gets traipsed up to the front, led by Hophni and Phinehas, the dastardly duo. Uh, they're your first sign this isn't going to end well. However, even the Philistines were afraid the Ark is a game-changer, and they fear that I am about to rain the same plagues down on them that I served the Egyptians. Well, of course, I could do that. But you know what that'd be? something your habitat calls enabling. I'd just reinforce bad behavior. So instead, I'm a no-show this time around. Nobody asked me to come to the party anyway, 
not before charging into the first battle, not even after the gaff of a first go didn't work. No coming to me and saying, We're sorry, you obviously didn't sanction that. What are we doing wrong? What would you like us to do? No. Instead of even the tiniest bit of humility or seeking me out, I am taken along into battle, at least in their eyes, that is, without my say-so. Taken not to be the head of my army, but rather brought along as an essentially very large good luck charm. The thinking is that if God's ark is there, he'll come through and provide victory in order to protect himself and keep the ark out of enemy hands. Well, you can probably guess what happens, but we'll wait and discuss it together next time on The Way. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support what we do, give us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. Then share this podcast with your friends. There's a link to the first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. You can find a link to our Patreon page there as well. We're sponsored by the Oak Haven Church in the Barn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oleksandr Zadoyani writes our theme music at smartmediamusic.com. Kenny Eicher designs our website graphics, kennyeicherart.com. We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time, be good to yourself.